This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. A a brutal, brutal, uh, just, just disgraceful, what seemed to be disgraceful, but yet Jesus, through it all, we hear the good story the good news. And uh, today I want to talk about blood covenant. Welcome to Good Friday. We're going to talk about blood. We want to talk about the the blood covenant today. I think this is really important. I want to share with uh, you today, just for a few moments, before we have communion, I want to say if you're watching online today, make sure you get some communion, get your things together. If you're here today and you haven't got your your little package, make sure you go to any one of the doors and pick that up. We're going to do that at the end of the service today. Uh, You know, I I just want to share with you a portion of scripture. If you look with me, 1 Samuel 18, uh, verses 3 to 5, you'll see it on the screen, or you can take a look at your, on your Bible. And the Bible says this, then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and he gave it to David and he gave him his armor even his sword and his bow and his belt and David went out wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely and sent him over the men of war and he was accepted in the sight of all of the people also in the sight of Saul's servants now I want to talk to you a few moments today about this amazing meal that we're about to eat, the bread and the fruit of the vine, and what it means because it's possible that some of you don't fully understand the the, the concept here, and I want us to really grapple with this and understand this today, the importance of this day, Good Friday. And to sum it up in the Bible, the principle that is rock solid in scripture, the concept that says it all, there are several concepts, but perhaps the most powerful covenant of all of the Bible is what is known as the blood covenant. Would you say it with me? Blood covenant. All right, you're hearing it, and you're getting it in your your head and your heart. Now, if I were the devil, now I know some of you say, well, I've, I've seen you, Pastor Dave, sometimes. Don't laugh too hard, okay? (laughs) Now, if I were the devil, I would do everything within my arsenal, within my toolbox, to try to keep you from comprehending the truth of this blood covenant, because it's that important. There's a book called The Blood Covenant by E.W. Kenyon. It's, It's an old book. The word covenant in Hebrew means to cut. Everybody say, to cut. Very good. To cut, to shed blood. And isn't that interesting that this word means to cut? Now, the blood is the main subject of the Bible in the Old and in the New Testament. Uh, Really, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, they both provided uh, uh, by the Old Covenant, the the, the blood of animals. The The New Covenant of the New Testament was provided by the blood of Jesus Christ, right? And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. The devil knows that if he can remove 
us crying out to God, pleading out to God the blood of our prayers, in our prayers, the the singing of the blood. If he can remove the singing uh, where we sing about the blood of of Jesus from our, our, that he knows he's got us. If he can remove it from our preaching, from our teaching, from our sermons, that we have no power to overcome the enemy's forces. Yet the enemy knows that. The devil knows that. Don't ever tamper with the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't ever uncover what God covers. I want you to hear that. You see, when Uzzah, he reached up with the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, they had sprinkled the blood of an animal on the mercy seat. Back in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, he accidentally lifted up and uncovered what God had covered. And guess what happened? 50,000 Hebrew soldiers Drop dead right there on the spot because you don't ever uncover what God has put under the blood. Where would we be today as believers around the globe, around the world, if the blood had not covered our past, had not covered our sin and so don't uncover what God covers. So when I think about the blood, I, I think about how it is this, in this story that something so powerful reminded me as a child. I remember watching uh, television shows where you'd have a couple of buddies who were like, you know, going through something really tough. And, you know, what we got to do, we need to have a blood covenant. Right, you've seen those movies. I don't know what movie. I can't think of one in particular. But I just remember, like, okay, so let's, like, get a little needle. And you just, like, prick your feet. Ow, that hurt. And the next guy, he pricks his feet. Ow. Okay, you ready to do this? Yeah, let's do this. Power. They put their blood together. They mingle it together. And they mix it together. Okay, we can do anything now. Right? They'd make a blood covenant. The story that E.W. Kenyon tells is one of David Livingston, and uh, you've heard this name before, who was a missionary, a very famous missionary in Christian history. How that when he went to Africa, he wanted to reach people who had never heard the gospel message. And in order to get into regions where you just couldn't go, there were dangerous places, and to have protection, he had to ma- make an agreement with the chief, right? He had to speak to the chief. He had to get interpreters to help him and make an agreement. And so here's what would happen. The chief would take a knife. I thought he was just going to shake his hand. But the chief would take a knife, and the story is that he cut his wrist. And then David Livingston, whose body is is buried in, in Westminster Chapel in England, he, in order to reach souls, he cut himself as well. And the blood began to pour from his veins. And, and the two, the chief and David Livingston, they, they put their two cut parts of their bodies together. And people started rejoicing and screaming with, with, the, with the natives of the area. And the celebration broke out. And, and before David, David Livingston left, there was this, the second part of this blood covenant. First was the, the cutting the shedding of the blood, 
and the mixing of the blood, and then they became blood brothers. And then there would be this exchange of gifts. And so the chief, he looks down at all the things, looks around, and he sees what, what David has here, and all the possessions that he has, and he's, he's got a number of things that he traveled with, and the one thing that the chief wanted was, believe it or not, his pet goat. David Livingston had a pet goat. Did you know that? It's all he cared about. He wanted this pet goat. You know, maybe he would take his tent, or, or maybe he could take his gun or something else, but he just... He wanted the goat, and the very thing that he loved the most was the thing, according to Livingston, that the chief demanded, and so he handed over that goat to the chief, and the chief reached into his area, and he takes a staff that had his emblem carved on it, and he handed it to David Livingston, and, and then they set out with guides into treacherous treacherous jungles of Africa, and to this day, miracles have taken place. Incredible stories. You know, just a quick thing. It's interesting that when David Livingston died, England, I don't know if you know the story, sent a whole force to retrieve his body and bring it back to be buried in Westminster. But when they got there, his heart had been cut out because they believed that you can have his body, but his heart belongs to Africa. And so they buried his heart in the dirt, in the ground of Africa, because he had such a heart for the souls in the nation of Africa. What was amazing here in this story, when this man, David Livingston, got out of the deep thick of the jungle, was at one place he tells about being surrounded by hostile people, people who, who were ready to, the bulls were po pulled, and the bulls were pulled, and they, he was ready to take his life. The spears were ready to, 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 to take him down, and suddenly he reached up, and he held his staff that had the emblem of the chief. When everybody saw the emblem of the chief, and they saw the scar on his wrist, they knew that there was a covenant between him and the chief. And there was no way they were going to harm him because harming him meant they would harm the king. If we attack him, we're attacking the king and all his mighty forces. And so they instantly, when they saw the mark and when they saw the scar and the emblem of the king, they dropped to their knees, they dropped their weapons, and they let him go through, and he changed the nation of Africa with the gospel of Jesus Christ. What an amazing story. What a beautiful picture of the blood covenant. Let me show you really quickly today. God appears to, be a, to a man by the name of Abraham. And he says to Abraham, split Five animals down the middle. Why? Because I want to make a blood covenant through the shedding of blood. And the blood was shed. And God came through that blood. It was a torture fire. He made a, a covenant with a man by the name of Abraham. 
But then came the second part of this blood covenant with Abraham. There's the shedding of blood. And then there's the exchange of gifts. And then some years later, God said to Abraham, I I want your son. I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac. I want you to take him up to the mountain, Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Abraham said, what? God, are, are you kidding me? God, like that's the one thing that I love most in the world. Like, like God, like, why are you asking this, me this? You know what you did here. This is a miracle. This is a miracle child. This is a miracle child. You gave him to me. And if that wasn't enough, you gave him to us in our old age. And now you want him back? This doesn't make sense. You want me to lay him on an altar and raise a knife. And you want me to take his life, stab him, burn him? How can I do this? How could any father possibly do what you're asking? This is an impossible task. But Abraham, if you don't know the story, you need to look it up. Abraham obeys God because he understood that the power of the blood covenant, he really believed that if he did it, that God would raise him back from the ashes. You see, that's why he did this, because he knew the blood covenant. He knew the power of the blood covenant. And when he raises the knife and was about to stab his son and and take his life, his son Isaac, in the heart, the angel stops him. And God speaks to him and said, now I know. Now I know what you're made of. You don't have to kill him. You don't have to sacrifice your son. And God was thinking in his infinite mind, and I'll take care of that sacrifice. And you don't have to, but I will. I'll I'll, I'll send you one with a blood covenant that will pay the price for you. But I I wanted to know what you would do if you would give me your best. I wanted to know, because the blood covenant is that you give your best and God gives his best. Just just think about that for a second here today. It's really something when you understand that God said, in blessing now, I will bless you. And God said, I I swear by my own name that as long as you have seed on the earth, as long as as you have lived, your seed will possess the land and make made him unbelievable promises that continue to this day. And it all started. The Bible started. The covenant that we're in through Jesus Christ, it all started with this blood covenant. Now, when I think about it, when I think about where we are at today, on Good Friday, Jesus said that when he entered into the upper room with his disciples for the last 
Supper. He said in Luke 23, the 23rd chapter, he said, Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Do you understand what he was saying here? He was saying that we're entering into a blood covenant. And the old covenant is the Old Testament. And it's, and it's been all about keeping the law and the rituals and legalism. And if you had to earn it, if you had to work for it, you had to deserve it. And if, it was, if you messed up, you could take a blood of an animal. The blood of a, an animal it would never take away your failure. It would just roll it over into the new year. But Jesus said, This time, on the cross, this day, this is the cup of my covenant. This is the cup of the new covenant. You see the power in this? In my blood, which is shed for you. And we just read over this, don't we? We don't understand what he was saying. But to them, they fully understood. In that time, in that period of life, everybody understood what a blood covenant was. And he said, I'm entering in this. This cup is my blood. This bread is my body. And I'm entering into this. And I want you to see simply this. In this story, there is something remarkable that I that I wrote, read today, and I chose to, the fact to tell you that, that start off in 1 Samuel because we see something so powerful here in the covenant that Jonathan, the king's son, made with David. The Bible said that Jonathan said to David, and, and David said to Jonathan, let's make a covenant. And they entered into this blood covenant. When they did, because this word means to cut, I want you to see this today. Jonathan does something strange. He takes off his robe and he hands it to David. And then he takes his garment off. And it says in another place, if you keep reading, it says that he took his garment off and he handed it to David. His possessions in another place. And it said he took his sword and his weapons and he gave them to David. You see this in 1 Samuel 18.4. It's a really powerful thing when you understand what it is really is all about because the robes, the robes spoke that it was not just a garment. It wasn't just regular clothing like, man, that's a really nice jacket. Thanks. Can I borrow that? You know, like back in the day, remember when, when guys would give their girl their jacket from like high school? That was like maybe the 70s. I'm sorry. If you're not my age, I don't think you understand what I'm talking about. But it was really cool. And so, like, there was something powerful about taking off your, you know, taking off your clothes. Hold on a second. Let's, where are we going today? But taking off a garment meant something. And so in this story, boy, is it just going down bad real, real quick. It identified Jonathan as the king's son. It was, it was one that whenever people would look and they would see this particular robe, it meant royalty. Like, when they saw this robe, you're wearing royalty robe? What's going on here? And it spoke of his position. It spoke of who he was. It spoke of, of, of the power and the authority that he had. And really what Jonathan was saying is, I am the rightful heir of my father. Saul is king of Israel. But I want you to take my position. 
I want you to have the authority and the position that I am giving you my robe. And that came through what? It came through a blood covenant. Isn't that powerful? That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's what he's done for you. That's what he's done for me. He says, I'm the king's son, the king of kings. Jesus, the son of the father, Jesus Christ, he went to the cross. The first thing he did is he traded positions. And he said, I'm giving you this place a position so that you don't come before the throne as a beggar. But you come as a child of the king. You come as a daughter of the king. You come clothed in my righteousness. You come with boldness and authority because of what the blood has done. Not only that, but he said, I'm giving my garment. And that speaks of possessions. That speaks of meeting the needs of the blood covenant only changes your position. The blood covenant only gives you authority to walk boldly into the throne of grace. Of the shed blood. But it also says that he will supply all the needs that you have. The possessions that I have through the cross. What are those possessions? Through the cross. Through the blood covenant. There is healing. There is healing today through the blood covenant. There is deliverance. There is deliverance for the mind. There is peace. There is joy. There is healing for broken places in our life. All of these possessions, they come through the riches of the cross. They come because Jesus gives us righteousness his righteousness, and he gives us position that we can receive freely the grace and the forgiveness and the healing and the miracles of God that he gives us. All of his possessions, in my name, you can heal the sick. In my name, you can recover. In my name, you can see miracles. Isn't this amazing? Then if it wasn't enough, he takes his sword Jonathan did, and he gave it to David, making this blood covenant. What, what a picture. What, what a picture. He was really saying was, from this day forward, since we've entered into this sacred blood covenant, I give you my sword. Means that whoever fights you, fights me. Whoever comes against you and tries to destroy you, they're trying to destroy me. And just like they'll attack you, I will come and I will fight with you. I will fight for you. Because the battle is not yours alone. I'm going to fight it with you. And the blood covenant says, I not only give you position, I not only give you royal position and possessions, I supply all your needs, your healing, your health, your blessings, your success, your goodness, the joy that you receive, all that you needed. But the blood covenant says that through the giving of the sword, it simply says, I give you my power. I give you my name. I give you my Holy Spirit. I give you the blood and I give you my sword. I give you my word. And when you speak it, and when you enforce it, the blood covenant stands behind it. 
And if that's not enough, man, there's the personhood that the blood covenant not only says the devil wants you to fight in your own position, in your own righteousness, in your own possessions, and what he and what you want, he wants you to fight and use that, that if you get into battle and you have to fight with your own possessions and your sword and all of your positioning and you can earn, but that's not the blood covenant. The blood covenant says you don't earn any of this. I freely give it to you. I freely give it to you. I want you to see that through the blood covenant, I have a new position. I am the righteousness of God. I am not condemned. I am not ashamed. I am not a second-class citizen. I am in the royal family. Are you hearing this today? Not only that, but you and I, we have the possessions that come through the riches of the cross. I have authority. I have anointing. I have the name of Jesus. I have the, the power of the Holy Spirit. I have the sword of the Lord. I I have him fighting. He says, the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. And then when I get into battles, when I get into fights, even if I shouldn't, I've got myself into them. He, He doesn't leave me out there and say, well, good luck for you. Too bad you shouldn't have gotten yourself in this mess. He says, you have my sword. You've got my name. You need to stand up in the blood covenant. Because here's what the Bible said in Psalm 25, 14 says that the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. The secrets of the covenant, I'm giving them to you, that when the devil sees you, he wants you to think that, that you're nobody, you're nothing, you're not good for anything, and, and that you don't, you don't have anything because you don't deserve it. But here's the secret. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. You know, the enemy, here's how he sees you. He sees you in a high position that has the the blood of Jesus has raised you up, and he sees you with all the possessions that you, you need to do the will of God. He sees you with the sword of God. It's just like that man out in the jungle that he raised up that emblem that the king's signature was on it, and all of a sudden they bow down, and they stand up in the position, in the possessions, in the power, and in the personhood of who Jesus has called you to be. All of hell. All of hell, every knee must bow, every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord. When they see you walking, the enemy sees this in you as you walk in covenant with him. We just say thank you, God, for that. God, we thank you for your covenant to us. God, we thank you for what it means to us today. Help us to understand this. Help us to to receive this today and be aware of what you've done for us. David becomes king. Saul dies. Jonathan tragically dies, but he made a covenant. He made a, a covenant, a blood covenant with David. And now David is sitting on the throne. And as David is sitting on the throne, he asks a question. 
I don't know what made him think about this, but he was sitting there and probably in the palace thinking about who knows what he's thinking about, the goodness of God. And one day he reaches to grab his cup. And as he does, he sees the scar. And he remembers that he made a blood covenant with the king's son. And he asked a powerful, powerful question. 2 Samuel 9, verse 1. Is there anyone in the house of Saul that I might show kindness to him? Listen to these words for Jonathan's sake. He said, is there any family left of King Saul that I can show some kindness to? There's a covenant word. That's a covenant word. Show kindness to, for Jonathan's sake. Who is Jonathan the one who made a blood covenant with? Really, what all of the people were thinking when, when he says this was, uh-oh, this is revenge time. Because in Bible days, the, the first thing a king would do if he had to, was to overthrow. If he took his position, he would overthrow a kingdom, is that he would hunt anyone and everyone down who would be the rightful heir to the throne, and he would kill all the royal seed. He would kill all the children. He would kill all the sons who could potentially, uh, down the road, cause him some problem, and he'd, he'd kill them. And so when he asked this question, is there anyone of the house of Saul that I might show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? They're all like, uh, yeah, right. Say nothing. Be silent. But there's somebody that spoke up. He said, there's only one left in the house of Jonathan. And his name is Mephibosheth. Try to say that five times fast. It's a tragic story. When Saul was killed, you were crowned and the people were bringing him back to the throne. The nurse picked up Mephibosheth, the baby, and it was running out of the nursery for her life, knowing that the child was in danger and she tripped. The Bible talks about this. She tripped and she fell on the baby. She crushed the child and the child is now crippled. Lives in a place called Lodabar, which means barren, dry places. And he's out in the middle of nowhere. And it's fruitless. It's a barren place. It's dark and gray and he lives in the shack and he eats out of a tin can and it's pitiful. He's crawling around all day and night in dirt hut and he, that he lives in. And David says to his mighty men, take chariots and horses and go and fetch him. I love this. God knows how to rescue you out of your situation. God knows how to rescue you out of your addiction. God knows how to rescue you out of the thoughts that you're faced with, out of the anxiety, out of the depression, out of the pain, out of the sorrow that you're living in. He can send some power after you that can raise you up and that can fetch you out. Here comes the mighty men rolling up in their chariots and their horses and the power and strength. And, and I could see that Mephibosheth is 
this guy crawling on that dirt floor and he looks up and he pulls himself to see outside the window and he's looking as to what's, what's happening in these mighty soldiers. And he thinks to himself, because all he had ever been told is, be afraid of David. Be afraid of David. Whatever you do in your life, be afraid of David. You hear that all your life. What are you going to be afraid of? David. Hate David. He's your enemy. He's going to hurt you. He's going to get you one of these days. He's going to try to wipe you out and, and get, give you what you deserve. And so he's trembling at the thought of this. And, and so what do they do? They take him, this crippled person, and they put him in a chariot. And they bring him back. And when he gets there, they don't take him to prison. prison. They take him to the palace. He walks in, and they say to him, Zionist, um, would you like your bath hot or lukewarm? We, all have, we have all the new clothes for you, laid out for you, the latest styles, of course, Versace and Gucci. They're at your royal pleasure. We have it all here, and by the way, dinner will be served in the main dining room in the presidential palace, and you are the honored guest at the king's table. And they bathe him, and they, they clothe him, and they help him, and they carry him. And they, they sit him at the, the table right beside the king, and his weakness, the Bible said, is covered at the table. He just looks beautiful. And uh, of his family, all of his family was there, and, and there's this crippled boy sitting at the table, and his lameness is covered. His issue is not even existing. He's sitting there wondering, why am I here? Look at this food. I've never seen so much food in my life. Look at this palace. And the, the king says, do you like your new home, son? 2 Samuel 9, 7 says, so David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. You will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. I love it. I love it. It says that, you know, you're never going to leave here. This is your place now. You'll eat here continually at my table, and you know you belong here. You know I, I made it, and, and he's thinking, why? Why is this all happening? And suddenly, I can almost see this in my mind, that all of a sudden, Mephibosheth sees it. He sees the scar, and he realizes that the only reason I'm here is because of my dad, my father, Jonathan, made a blood covenant. And that's why I'm here. All my life, I thought I had to fear you. And that's how some of us in this room are today when it comes to God. You think he's out to get you. Oh, I've messed up. Pastor, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand the sin I've walked into. You don't understand the things I've done on purpose. You don't understand what I have done, how ugly and how dark. There's no way back for me.
You think he's trying to mess you up. You think God is trying to get you. Finally, I got him right where I would need him. And you think if he ever catches you, I want you to know if he, if he ever gets the chance to just love you, if he gets a hold of you, he just wants to love you and show you his kindness. Do you know when you get to heaven, when Jesus rose from the dead, everything was healthy and healed and beautiful, except for one thing. As we look at the scripture, that on the body that Jesus still reveals he has scars, doesn't it? He said, look, Thomas, in his palms, where they nailed him to the cross. Like when, when you put a spike through your hand, it's not like a little boo-boo. It leaves a mark. And yes, he's Jesus. And yes, the miracle that could have taken place physically in his body could have been transformed, but there was a scar left. And he shows Thomas. He's like, I don't believe this happened. What, how could this happen? How, is this really you, Jesus? And Jesus still had the scars. Why? Under the old covenant, under the old covenant, the mark of circumcision meant the blood covenant had been cut. And under the new covenant, the wounds, the scars of Jesus are forever on display. Wow. This is what Good Friday is all about. Come on. It's about the fact that the blood that was shed when those holes were put in to his body. Jesus says to every person here, I know, I know you. I know your name and I give you a new position. I give you the possessions that you need. I give you the power and the weapons that you need. I give you my personhood through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I make a covenant with you, the blood covenant, and the secret of the Lord is with them that fear the Lord, and he will show them his covenant. Would you stand with me all across this room as we take a moment and remember this covenant? If you have the cup and just peel off the top layer there's the wafer here we're not ashamed of you Jesus we are not ashamed for the next few moments as we prepare for communion I want you to just open up your heart just open up your heart and your spirit if you have the bread, and Jesus said, I broke this for you. So go ahead, break it. Let's take it together. He said, I've got you. Luke twenty-two nineteen 19 says, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And afterwards, go ahead and take the the juice. Of course, I can't get mine open. 
said, this is my blood. This is my blood, which is shed for the remission of sin of the new covenant. It's the new covenant, this cup you're entering into right now, into a blood covenant. Isn't this amazing? Right now. It means that your house, that your children, that your home, your life is covered. It's not that hell will not come against you. But God's given you the sword and he's given you the position and he's given you the power to prevail through the blood. Isn't that good? Take this drink. Do this in remembrance of me. All across this room, would you just raise your hands to heaven as we sing together. Let's just worship him in this space today. Let's ponder what he's done for us today. This blood means. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, sing it today. Yes, Jesus. Lord. today, every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. So just continuing this posture of worship before the Lord today. You'd say maybe, Pastor, I've feared God and I, I've been afraid of God and I've actually run away from Him. I need Him like I've never needed Him before. Maybe you need Him in your family. Maybe you need Him through something that you that you're going through, and, and it's the power of the blood covenant. I'm telling you, there's nothing that can match the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. See, when you apply it to your life, when you, in faith, stand in the position and the power and the person of Jesus Christ, he says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. He can rescue you. He can fetch your family. He can get your lost loved one. He can get your life out of that barren, dark place today. As we have heard and read the story of Mephibosheth, you're here and you would say, Pastor, I just, I really need a change in my life. I just need Jesus 
like I've never needed him before. I need the power of the blood covenant. Let's be honest, we all need this in some area of our lives. I need the power of this blood covenant on me, my house. If that's you here today and you're saying, I've never made a decision to serve him, but today I want to say yes to Jesus. I don't understand all the details, but I know that I can't continue on in my own strength. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand all across this room. If that's you, lift your hand up. Say, you're saying yes. To Jesus, I need you. I've never made a decision. I want to pray for you today. Jesus, you see each and every heart in this place. You see every person. You see every need, every issue, every struggle, every bondage, every dark place that people are walking in. God, I pray that as we apply the blood to our lives today, we would recognize that this is the greatest thing that could ever happen. Jesus, we surrender to you completely today. We give you our lives. We give you our best. We give you our families. We give you our homes. We give you, I give you my marriage, Lord. I give you the best in exchange of gifts. So I give you the best of me, and that's all I got. All that I have, all that I possess, all that I give you, King Jesus. And now I receive your best. And it's not a fair exchange I totally recognize this, but Jesus, I receive you. Father, I thank you for the favor of giving your son Jesus for me that cleanses me and makes me whole today. We speak to the enemy in the name of Jesus. Satan, you, your power is broken off of families and homes and minds and bodies there's health and there is healing that flows, deliverance that is flowing today, addiction that is, is removed in the name of Jesus, those things that are destroying lives. Right now, Lord, we plead the blood of Jesus over our sons, over our daughters, over our lost loved ones, over our children and our children's children. We believe in you today, Lord Jesus. And we thank you. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for the life that we have in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it good to know not only are you covered under the blood, but you're washed clean, you're made whole, you're a new creation today. Listen, if you said and agreed with me in prayer today, we are celebrating with you that you said yes to Jesus. There's a QR code on the screen. Just just take out your phone and, and, and take a snapshot of that. And we've got some information we want to put in your hands. I want you to know this is just the beginning. This is the good news. The good news of Good Friday. Sunday's coming. Greater things that Jesus has accomplished in our lives. And we're going to celebrate that together on Sunday, Easter Sunday morning. We want to invite you back here at 1030 in the morning. Tomorrow is a great event for families. If you have family, come. 12 o'clock, we want to celebrate. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt, because why not? And we've got a carnival set up outside. It's going to be a beautiful day. You don't want to miss it. Come by, say hello. We love you. Walk in God's peace today. We'll see you again this weekend. Have a great Easter weekend, everybody. God bless. <laughs>
Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.